Be watchful, be alert. Be watchful at this terrace. Be alert at that terrace. Hinei we o te motino mai hara mai ki tēnei hōtaka te ahikā, ko maraia rakuraku tēnei. Ko Justin Murray tēnei, and welcome back to Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. Coming up this hour... Setting up a small business is no easy feat. There are staff to hire, there's a business plan to implement, and of course there's also money to find. Add in the dream of running a whānau-based tourism venture and you have Mitai Village. You may have passed it just out of Rotorua, past the gondolas, before you turn off to Hamilton. And it turns out the land, while based in Te Arua, has a particular relevance for Tuhoi Iwi. Te Hau and I are standing uh, on one of the bridges here as we're going deeper into the uh, Mitai Māori Village. What is this? It's like an aqua-clear pond. This is one of the many springs you'll find around Rotorua. There's a few of them. Um, this one here is named Te Punatapu o Tūhoi. It's actually named after, um, well, my kōrero is different to a lot of kōrero, but um, it's named uh, Te Punatapu o Tūhoi, and um, the spring was named for them for many years ago. One of our chiefs of this area had a Tūhoi wife, and Tuhoi wanted her back, so the family come over together, and the chief and the chief in question had this Tuhoi wife. He didn't want her to go with the family, and uh, so he asked them, "What is it that you want that I can give to keep her here?" And um, they're saying one of the on their travels into Rotorua, they come around Ngotai and they come down and they drink from a puna, and this is the puna here. So he named it Te Puna Tapu or Tuhoi. Those are one of the explanations for its name, right smack in the middle of Tarawa area. Yeah. One of our favourite events on the calendar took place last night, Nga Taonga Toi a Te Wakatoi, or the annual Te Wakatoi Awards. They honour Māori who have contributed their services for the betterment of their communities. The flow and effect, of course, is that they're a shining example in Aotearoa and the world. Ida, coming up we have an archival recording featuring the 2011 recipient of Te Tohu Aroha Monoi Kumero Pe Whairangi, Tamati Reddy. Fittingly, the award is for services to Te Reo Māori. Too long have we been brainwashed to believing that our own indigenous languages of the world are not compatible with the modern world. We no longer succumb to the colonization of our minds, forcing us to believe that we must give away our indigenous languages in order to be part of the global community. We know that is rubbish, and it is time to say it loudly around the world. We've also got a kōrero from one of the finalists of the 2011 Waiata Māori Music Awards as well, which is ready to roll next week. And you'll hear some Waiata too from the other finalists. Koira nā kaupapa kōrero e haere ake nei. That's what's lined up for y'all in this week's Te Ahika. Kote mea tuatahi. You're in Rotorua, heading towards Ngotaha on Ferry Springs Road, and no doubt you've seen it. A large sign on the left-hand side emblazoned with 
Mitai. Well, if you make your way past the sign, you enter a tourism cultural experience that's set out like a kind of Māori, Māori village of yesteryear, but with a modern zhuzh. When she visited, Justine met up with Te Mitai, an all-round fellow who does a bit of everything, where he gave her the grand tour. So Teho, where are we standing? We're, uh, at the moment we're in the concert area where uh, our kids will get up and perform and um, entertain the tourists. Yeah, this is a huge area. What is it made of? The whole, the framework is um, timber frame and uh, the roofing is underlined for uh, quiet, the quietness of the rain because the whole, as you can see, the whole venue is open plan and it gets very cold in here so we have heaters all over the place and up on the stage itself we've uh, built some little whare, uh to represent the old, the old whare of um, Te Ao Māori or Omua. Is this particular set designed on... Pictures from back in the Ran and Tiara? No, it's just, just um, my brother's conception of what a village looked like in the past um, uh, for for our entertainment yeah, business and your brother here. is? Wetini. <laughs> who is also the uh, uh, teacher of the couple group uh, Te Matarai Iorehu, yep, North Tiarawa. <clears throat> and so what happens when, how many in the performing part of, of, of Mitai Māori Village? On stage? Yeah. How many performers on stage? Um, in quiet season like now, I think we average around 12 on stage, but when we're very busy, then uh, our numbers for our kids on stage is, uh, I'm pretty sure, around 16. Yeah. Now, I know that your, was it your son that was in here sort of sweeping up the, yeah, yeah. the stand that you can hear? He's you? one of the uh, kaimahi, one of our day workers here, so uh, he, he's, um, he comes up and part of the day work for our maintenance crew anyway is to um, prepare and make the village look nice again. We do this every single day. Um, and then all of our maintenance work is done in the morning, then 12 o'clock onwards we dedicate ourselves to actually doing the hangi and doing the kai. Oh, right. And this is every day? It is every day. Seven days a week. How many uh, staff do you have on site every day? This time of year, we're probably because our daytime starts at eight, but it goes through to around ten thirty at night with um, with our performances. So our day crew, we have about twelve of us on during the day doing the office work, um, organising the buses, the bus runs, um, bringing in tourists into our complex, and the maintenance of the actual village itself and then night time is when the bulk of our staff come into play. Now there's quite a few chairs in here that we can see. How many does the does this facility fit? This facility itself when we're very busy will hold we will hold three hundred people. Yeah, but at the moment we've only got a, probably about hundred and forty seats out because mm. our numbers are very low because it's winter. Yeah, so obviously this is a seasonal even that's job. A, um, the, even 140 is um, wishful thinking, but, <laughs> but uh, this time of year I think we're averaging about 80. Kapai. So how long did this take to build? The concept itself started around 2000, 2001 by my brother and it was uh, nothing to what you see now, so it's taken nine years for what you actually see around the complex now itself. Um, this particular building that you see here we put up about five six years ago and we were all the labourers we had one hmm. builder come in and um, Mort Ricker, Māori builder and a gun too and um, he come to uh, be our overseer he was the actual builder and then uh, me and my little brother and the family just got stuck in behind him and um, yeah put it up. 
from Rotorua, and I don't want to talk about another particular village, but there was a lot of hard work involved to get things started. Did it, was, did it take a lot of financial planning for the whanau to get this underway? Yeah, no, it was difficult when my brother first started. Mm. Um, he was running low on money all the time, and um, two of my sisters put their houses up and remortgaged for him to get get going, and um, <clears throat> and even then it was very hard uh, planning-wise and um, trying to get things happening, but um, they had quite a few openings, but no one was coming, and I think they started off with one family, because I wasn't here then, and then they started with another small family, and um, so it was real real uh, small when they started and mm. now as, know, as yeah, as businesses start, yeah. you got to prove yourself too a lot of the um, people around Rotorua were helpful but not so much I don't think anyway um, Was there room forward. in terms of the the Rotorua with you know being a, a tourism place in, the, in, the, in New Zealand was there room for another village in terms of getting the bums on seats? Well it depends on what you want to portray um a lot of our places portray glamour, which I think if you look at Māori, we are not that. Um, we are ourselves, but glamour has never been so. For our hotels, a lot of it has been put forward with You mean to showcase What do you mean by mm, glamour? Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's the side of things. That's how they need to perform in town, I believe, I suppose. And, uh, and they're all good. I'm not putting anyone down here. But for us, we try and get back to the basic roots of things. Um, the guitar is used on our stage but you'll only find it probably only in one, maybe two items. The rest of it is pātere which can be very boring so there's a lot of moving pātere around on stage. is a type stage. of um, it's a chant? Type of chant yeah. yeah, without any instruments? Uh, without any instruments except vocal. But um, we got pahu up there so we're using a bit of um, pahu. So the drums? Just to, yeah, a few drums up there just to make things a bit more exciting. This and this land, we've recovered by lots of greenery, and it's the perfect, offers the perfect ambience for for what I would assume uh, Wetini was after that traditional feel. Yeah, no, um, well you've got to create it too because it's, it's, it was all paddock, so it's taken it didn't just spring up like this. And um, but he has utilised, we have utilised the the bush and the, the surrounding area to create what we've done. Yeah. So we're heading down into oh to the springs. To the springs. When the people, are, when tourists arrive here, they'll come into um, one of two of our marquees, or both of them, in summer. And um, we have a host in here that looks after them and brings them in. And then um, all the explanations on the evening happens in here by our host. He introduces himself and then to the complex, basically, and talks a little bit about the family um, and our our um, humble beginnings and all that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and from here, from the food place. Um, we go down to the. They go down to. They go to the hangi first, and they'll see the uplifting of the hangi, and from there they go down to the to the spring. So, so this is like the the, the farikai of the village. Farikai, yeah. <laughs> and so, what are the general tourists um, feeling about tasting hangi? Oh, they love it. It's new to them, eh? It's very new to them. Um, we have our islanders who do the um, the umu but hangi. The way Māori do it, I think, is very different. Um, it's got more of a stronger earth taste. So we're heading down the stairs towards the springs, and this is where the t we're taking the, the path that the tourists take. Yep, that's right. Always three of us on site, yep. uh, three maintenance people, and um, my job really is to keep the place safe. So 
quite often we've got to bring in uh, arborists to come in and look at our trees, yeah. um, see if they're dangerous, especially when we have storms coming through yeah. and we know storms are coming through. When we first come here it was all gravel, all dirt and um, mud basically, yeah, a lot around our tents here, so we've tar sealed. Um, our money where we can goes back into the complex. Back into yeah. the complex. Does it turn over an okay profit? We still have to work. We're still broke. We're just <laughs> like any other family, but at least we all have jobs. Oh, yeah. Um, and a lot of our kids, a lot of our kids that we have up here could be out on the streets, you know, and um, I'm not just talking about my own family. I'm talking about a lot of families' children who work up here. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, no. So as for profit... Um, I think we make a living and we're able you to make maintain a things here. Kapai. So the Ho and I are standing uh, on one of the bridges here as we're going deeper into the uh, Mithai Māori village. What is this? It's like an aqua clear pond. This is one of the many springs you'll find around Rotorua. There's a few of them. Um, this one here is named Te Punatapu o Tūhoi. It's actually named after... Um, well, my kōrero is different to a lot of kōrero, but um, it's named uh, Te Punatapu o Tūhoi, and um, the spring was named for them for many years ago. One of our chiefs of this area had a Tūhoi wife, and Tūhoi wanted her back, so the family come over together, and the chief and the chief in question had this Tūhoi wife. He didn't want her to go with the family, and uh, so he asked them, what is it that you want? That I can give to keep her here, and um, they're saying one of the on their travels into Rotorua, they come around North High and they come down and they drink from a puna, and this is the puna here. So he named it Te Puna Tapu o Tūhoi. Those are one of the explanations for its name, right smack in the middle of Tarawa area. Yeah. So, uh, but the spring itself is beautiful, as you can see. Yeah, it's, it's um, clear as clear. We have eels coming up through here. Everything's open to the lake. They come and go, um, as well as the fish in this particular um, area. Uh, the spring itself, I was told, releases around 16,000 litres per minute. Yeah. So it's a lot of water. The water that our tourists drink comes directly from the spring as well, going wow. through filters. and So everything from... Like, all of our water comes from the spring that we use on the complex. Yeah. And so what is the... It's almost like a silt, like a black silt bubbling up. Is that I just the sand? I couldn't give you a name for that, but oh. you know, it's just sand and it's just the uh, the pressure that, or the actual water that um, keeps it churning that's coming up from below. The, the It's very cold. Um, the water <laughs> itself is around 8 degrees. 8 degrees, it's very cold to hop in here. In summer, when we're all sweating and hot work, working around here, we won't hop in the puna, but we do hop in the river. We all drop in there and freeze and then hop out and carry on with our work. Te puna tapu o tūhoi. The complex itself carries on that way and goes up around, but we'll come down yeah. and see. We haven't gotten in there, but we normally hop into the spring itself and go in there with our rakes and, uh, and we have a big um, fiberglass tub that we push around in the water with us and we just clean out, just keep everything clean. We'll hop in there and we walk around and wade because after a couple of hours and here you start to freeze even in wade as it starts to get to you. The it's cold or the cold. water. Mm. So we're just heading over the track at the Mitai Māori village. But another thing that we do up here too is we replant. You'll find another lot of the plants in here that we've actually put in here because um, 
we do have to take some trees out. We just a couple of weeks ago we took out some big um, hohiri. We had to take them out. Inglet Park, where they call ribbon tree, ribbon wood. We took them out because they were getting dangerous, hollow in the centre, and they were ready to come down. Yeah. So we had to get some arborists up here and, and remove them. Yeah. But uh, this particular fern over here is called Parapara, and apparently it's a, a um, it's one that's becoming extinct. This is our waka, our little waka tower. It's a nine-man uh, waka tower. We built this. It was actually been my brother got a carver to do it a few years ago, and um, because of other commitments, I suppose he had. I'm not too sure, but he was taking too long. So uh, I, I said to my brother, me and my father will have a go at doing it. So we did. We rolled it out. He had already joined the actual canoe itself, and. Um, so I done the tow up of the old man done the oh sorry yeah the old man done the tow and we just flipped the whole canoe on the side and um, used routers to route out the sides for the rowawa uh, and put it all together brought it down. Is there a name of the waka? Tudehu. 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 Yeah. What is Tudehu? Tudehu. It's uh, for the fairies because the place is also known as a place of fairies. Eh? And the old ihinga come here. The place is known as Tudehu, but you'll have to ask my brother about that because he knows the stories. Who rose? Who are oh, the nine boys sorry. there? Yeah, no, it's our concert kids that come yep. down, our concert boys. Uh, they come down here and they, the canoe, one of the jobs of my lot is to um, take the canoe down down the end of the river there and then um, the boys run sneak along the top there while the tourists are coming down here. They hop in the canoe and then they row up here. And then they back up there, row up there. Do back some tourists get scared? Because that must be quite, you know, nice. I think a lot of the kids do. I think it's more for kids, uh, for the people here, it's quite interesting, I suppose. I don't think it's scary at all. No. And do the boys do a. Um, like they a... do the hoi chance. They do a lot of the hoi chance that we still have. Yeah, and then a lot are just made up. They're really good too. You could use them out on, on, the, on the lake if you wanted to, yeah. And then a lot of them are local chants from, from here, from Tarawa, yeah, that they use. Can you any of those chants? Just Tarawa, yeah. Oh. Tarawa, yeah. Just our normal ones. At that time, there was a lot of work we had to do to get it sort of um, to straighten it up because it was nowhere near finished. We had to do a lot of work on it to um, get it to the stage of where we could actually start um, placing the, the, the two end pieces on. The up is made up of nine, uh, sorry, 24 blocks, separate blocks. All laminated. We laminated them at home, and Dad's one. He done the tauihu would be at least 15 separate blocks of wood, all laminated, just small blocks that we had lying around, <coughs> and then we just knocked them out. Mm. What does laminated mean? Uh, just right? gluing bits of wood together to get a bulk, to get something real that we could actually work with, yeah, and knock into. Because Dad's a carver too, or Dad is a carver. Um, he's had bits of wood lying around. My brother was able to get bits of wood as well, and um, but nothing of the size that we needed to do one complete piece. So we just laminated things together. Now, Peho, what's that we can hear? <laughs> that's my boy coming down. He's cleaning our paths. Yeah, no, that's what he's doing. He's just getting everything tidy, tidying everything up here yeah, with the leaf blower. Twice. Up here too. It's <coughs> quite amazing when you start digging up, when you're digging down post holes and. You find a lot of rubbish pits around here. Oh, really? Apparently, this used to be a place where a lot of the um, single men's huts used to live. It used to be. You even find uh, the old um, clay jug. They used to have their beer and stuff in here. What's the single men's? Oh, it was a single men's place up here where they had just little sites, uh, little 
not all funny for fellows who worked in the old days and you know, where to stay, I suppose I'd know. And oh. apparently this place used to be something that housed them. Originally this was all this metal road and the only building that was here besides the old house is that first building we sort of had a look in. Oh, oh, yep. look, it, was, it was a cafe and back then this complex was part of Rainbow Springs next door and um, the cafe was over here and was part of there. And then um, the tribe took this area back and then put it out for lease and uh, my brother was the one that won the tender. Oh is that Nazi Whakauwe? Whakauwe, yeah. It's all Whakauwe land. And uh, so we lease it off them, yeah. This is, wow, this is the other marquee that uh, Te Ho was talking about earlier when we were in the first uh, dining area. This one here is the one that will hold 160 people, comfortable. And <coughs> we hardly, we're not using it so much at the moment because our numbers are small and the other tents are our main one for this time of the year. So we sort of just close this one up and just <coughs> come in. The, our setup crew will just come in and just keep it tidy. So this is our hangi pit. Hangi pit. Yeah, so as you can see, we still use wood. Um, the wood has, comes in the form of pallets, pallets that are um, throwaway pallets that are not treated or tantalised or anything like that. And uh, it's a great source of fuel, actually, especially because we sort of help with the places like Bidvessel. The food places give the pallets for us, they bring them to us because <coughs> it costs them to get rid of them at the dump. And it costs us nothing to just go and grab them, just fuel on the yeah, fuel on our truck. So we do all our running around and we go to to all of the uh, places like Bidvest and uh, grab the pallets that um, that they're just going to throw away. Yeah, and we use them here. Does I mean you've already you've talked about some extensive work done to the village since its inception, since you started. But are you do you project um, what what else you'd like to do with the village? Um, my brother's the best one to talk to you. No, he, he has got a lot of ideas what's going to happen w with the village. Um, he actually wants to expand and make it bigger. <clears throat> but one of the other things that we've always thought about as a family is whatever profits we do make here, we'd like to start other businesses mm. outside of uh, tourism. Tuwhare toa me whakatohia. Uh, te hau mitai there who took me on a tour of the whānau run business, Mitai Village in Rotorua. Now you can find photos of my visit, just head to radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika. I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Maraia Rakraku and this is Te Ahika. One of the major set of awards celebrating Māori achievement have just been announced by the Māori Arts Board of Creative New Zealand at a glittering event last night. The Nā Taonga Toi Ātewaka Toi Awards don't just honour Māori artists, but Māori achievers in all kinds of fields, including those who remain based at home, who keep those home fires burning, and they include... Nā Tohu Atākingi Ihaka, the Sukingi Ihaka Awards... Emma Rogers, Jalamia, no te whanua apanui, te whakatohia me ngai tahu. Uh, Emma has basically committed her life to the revitalisation of te reo Māori. Uh, she's involved in Māori performing arts in the Rangatū faith. And she was also the founding tutor of te kapahaka o te whanua apanui. And then there's one of her whanaunga, te riaki amo amo who is basically the authority on everything regarding the history of te whakatohia. 
awesome. Set up a whareanga of his own after going through that own process himself. And a whareanga is uh, another school of higher learning? Yeah, you're totally immersed in learning a particular subject. Dr Nga Pare Hopa, a.k.a. Super Māori Woman. She was the first Māori woman to receive a PhD in anthropology from Oxford University. She's an academic, an author. She plays the piano. She published the book The Art of Pew Pew Making in 1969. What can't she do, really? <laughs> and then down in Naitahu, you have the awesomely wicked Micah Mason, who has basically been the expert and the guardian of anything and everything to do with Ponamu, with Greenstone. He has written books, he's given evidence for Treaty of Waitangi claims, and it's all a role that he's just carried on from his whanau. And then there's Marilyn Webb, Nornapuhi, who is Premier League Māori artist. And then there's other categories, Nakarahipi A Te Wakatoi, or the Te Wakatoi Scholarships. Karangawai Marsh. Now, Karangawai is pretty passionate about arts and te reo Māori. She's currently in her second year of a master's degree in Māori visual arts at Messi University. Then there's Te Aitanga Mahaki Ngaitai Ngaitahu Ngāti Kahunganu Enga Puhi Tai Kere Kere. I had a kōrero to tai last year at his uh, Golden Syrup exhibition in Wellington. He's an artist, a graphic designer, and he is completing a Bachelor of Māori Arts at Tomairangi, Te Wānanga o Aotearoa. And then at the other end of the scale, you have the more senior practitioners. Te Tohu Toi Ke, Te Waka Toi Award for Making a Difference. Which was awarded to artist Robin Kahukiwa, no Ngāti Purau Te Whānau Ahauiti, Ngāti Hau, Ngāti Konohi, Whānau Arua Taupare for her long-standing career in visual arts. Te Tohu Aroha mō Te Araki Nui Dame Te Atairangi Kahu, Te Waka Toi Exemplary Award. Now, we're going to be profiling him next week. This went to Sir Hedini Moko Mead. And rather than me talking about that, let's just leave that for next week. <laughs> and then finally, te tohu aroha mō ngoi kumeroa pewhairangi, whakarongo titiro kōrero, the ngoi kumeroa pewhairangi award. Which went to Sir Tāmati Reedy for his services and contribution to Te Reo Rangatira, of which the roll call includes... Te Onehau Phyllis, Te Wharehuia Milroy, Mere Mere Penfold, Timote Karetu, Mate Kaiwai, Tane Taylor, Eritana Tafifirangi, and Toby Rikihana. So, one word, Justine. Wow. Over 20 years ago, he was recorded at the 1990 World Indigenous Peoples Conference in Naruawahia, Hamilton. and the theme of the answers are within us that is embraced in the philosophy and that came out of the Vancouver conference and it is perpetuated here today. Who are we as indigenous peoples? Here in Aotearoa we refer to ourselves as Tangata Other lands refer to themselves as First Nations or Native Americans or like our cousins in Hawaii, Kamaena. 
The key concept is the one of first. We are the first people in the lands that our ancestors founded. Most of us, most of us are minorities in the lands of our ancestors. But more importantly, we are the indigenous peoples of the world who have taken that all-important decision to recognize our will to survive despite the historical attempts to assimilate our identities. Why are we meeting here this week? We are meeting because of our one great concern, the survival of our languages, the survival of our identities. Here in Aotearoa, we say, ko te reo te Māori o te mana Māori. Māori language is the foundation of our identity. We are meeting here because we all share common histories and common concerns in a global setting. We are meeting here because we want to ensure that future generations, our mokopuna, our grandchildren, and their grandchildren, carry our languages and our identities into the future. <clears throat> what is the education direction that we seek? We want a direction that is founded on our own cultural base. Here at home, the Kohamareo provides the foundation a foundation built on the simple will of our people to move. Too long have we been brainwashed to believing that our own indigenous languages of the world are not compatible with the modern world. We no longer succumb to the colonization of our minds, forcing us to believe that we must give away our indigenous languages in order to be part of the global community. We know that is rubbish, and it is time to say it loudly around the world. Every language, every language spoken on this earth has the inbuilt capacity to cope with the most modern of scientific thought or mathematical equation. The reason our languages are in such a parlous state is that they have been starved either by other people who thought our languages should be starved or by ourselves who thought that our languages were not worth feeding. We have changed our attitude and that's what we're here today to feed ourselves, to feed our languages, to feed who we are. It is time to nourish and feed our real. Today, sadly, in this country, we have literally thousands of Māori with one language only. And it is not Māori, but English. 
Can we say though, that over the last 150 years, when we've been forced to believe that only English will provide us with the sustenance to live throughout our lifetimes and the lifetimes of many more generations to come? The answer to that question is that we're no better off by speaking English only and there is a loud and resounding no to that from our young people, and particularly the young mothers who lead the Kohonga Reo today. This is the picture right across the world of indigenous peoples. And it is time to change that. We do not need to give away our Reo to live today and tomorrow. That must be the message of our education philosophy to ourselves and to those who presume to know what is best for us. The theme of this conference is the answers are within us. Those words enjoin us. Indeed, they command us to look to ourselves to dig deeply into our minds and into our hearts to find the answers that we seek. One of our ancient karakia of our Aotearoa goes like this. Ko no te hiringa i kakeaia tāne ki tikitiki o rangi ko te hiringa i te mahara. Ka kite i reiro ko i o matua koreana. Ia ia te toiariki, te toioru tapu, te toioru roa. Translated simply, the Karakia says, there is only one thing that enabled Tane to climb to the uppermost heavens. The uppermost heavens, plural, to seek the baskets of knowledge. And that is the power of the mind. The power of the mind. That's what that Karakia says and it enjoins, enjoins all of us to observe that very, very simple message left by our ancestors to us. The answers are in our minds. The answers are within ourselves. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, when we ask what are the necessary ingredients to that, the answer is simple. Believe in ourselves, commit ourselves to speak our own languages. Kia ora e te rangatira, Sir Tamati Reedy, the recipient of Te Tohu Aroha Mo Ngoi Kumerua Pe Whairangi for its services and contribution to Te Reo Rangatira. And we will post up some pictures on our webpage next week. For more information about the awards themselves, including its history, head to radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika.
In the 1950s and 1960s, Māori show bands were crooning everywhere, including the legendary Māori volcanics. The lineup at one stage included Billy T. James, yes, the very same one who's a subject of Te Movie screening at the moment. Another was Selwyn Dawidi, who as well as studying law, is in the Best Māori Male Solo Artist category of the Waiata Māori Music Awards. With that kind of musical pedigree... What does he think of the current Māori music climate? Park. <laughs> Selwyn, you come from a very rich um, musical background and one of um, the, the highlights, I suppose, of your career is your involvement with the Māori Volcanics. Um, if you had to kind of sum up your time with the Mighty Volcanics and how it influenced you, how would you describe it? I would explain it this way. I've learned a lot in, in more ways than one since being with the Mighty Volcanics. Being a professional, entertainer, performer, musician, and ha- having a lot of fun. Of course, all we had to look back is Prince Tuitega, Billy C. James, and other great performers like Robbie Ratan and and so on and so on. And uh, I'm I'm so so over the hill just being involved with Mori Volcanics and and the journey that uh, I've also had with them as well. And Salwyn, um, so I was watching. Um, a show that you done with uh, Papa Hori Ruru, and you spoke about being in show bands back in the um, mid sixties. And one of the criteria that they that you had to be or to be a member was single. Can you tell us about that period? About that period, but you were actually married with kids. Yeah, yeah, I was. I I just got married and, and, and I had a son. And the criteria is when you audition for this show band that. And that was back in 1968. Oh, 67, really, really, you, you had to be single. So I did a, did a bit tittle, saying that I was, I wasn't married. By the time they found out, we at the airport leaving, found out it was too late. I already had my ticket. <laughs> so by tittle, you mean you told one big fat lie. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and and was the was the reason behind that? I mean, I can just only assume. Um, was it because t- to give you more? Uh, I don't know. Make the ladies swoon a bit more. Why did you have to be single? I think the criteria was you no. Know, you you had to have no ties. Right. Because you were subjected to being on a on a contract and at at one venue. Say for three months, and then you have to. Like you, you could be in Melbourne, and then you could be in Jamaica. Mm. You had to be sort of free and single. Right, and they, the they um the the show band saw that as 
maybe a means of distraction if you had loved ones back here and you'd want to perhaps leave the band? I mean, you know, if you had that yeah, responsibility. Yeah, mm. yeah that's... Uh, in actual fact, it, it, uh, it, it happened with me on, on that first time I went overseas. I uh, I just missed being home. I missed my family and, uh, and all that. Mm. So uh, only lasted four months, and then uh, and then I came back. And that four months, Selwyn, which places did you get to go to? You went to Melbourne. I think we just worked at one club in Melbourne because the contract was for for six months in in one place, and then we were supposed to go to Singapore. But I, uh, I didn't last that long. I only lasted four months. Selwyn, in your opinion, like those who would have been the, the the golden memories for you with um, touring and show bands, and, and it was all about the music and entertaining. When did that whole era, in your opinion, the whole show band Māori era, end? That 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 music. Um... Well, I thought, I, I thought the the end of nineteen nineteen seventy. Right. Yeah. Uh, because. The Māori show bands, they were the only ones from the 1950s, 60s and the 70s in the whole wide world that was on the road. And then, after a while, Australia thought, gee, gee, these guys are really good. And, and they looked at our, our formula... And they decided to put up a show band as well. The top show band from England is called the Baron Knights. Baron Knights. Uh, but they're incredible. Right. Incredible show band. And whereabouts were they from? England. England. Oh, I thought you might have said Las Vegas or something no. like that. <laughs> no. Body High Pilots went to Las, Las Vegas. In the, in the 70s, or 60s, really. And so a show band um, could do comedy, they could do ballads, um, group... Trick inf- instrumentals. Yeah, trick instrumentals. Yeah. And because was your forte the bass and the saxophone? Bass and saxophone, but, but now and again, uh, like in the volcanics, I, uh, I, I'm on rhythm for Zulva the Greek. And, uh, and a couple of other, other numbers. So, Selwyn, we're talking about the, you know, as you mentioned, the 50s, 60s and 70s. So from about, what, 1975 to now, to 2011, there's a good, what, 40-plus years in between. How do you think the Māori music climate, I um, mean, it's quite a broad question, um, how, do you, how do you think it's changed? You know, you're a bit of a music veteran. How do you think it's changed over the years? Well, music has always changed. There's a time structure. I, I believe music changed every 10 years. Changed their style, changed their content. Like in the 60s, you had rock, then rock and roll. Before that, you had jazz. You had swing. And then rock and roll. And then rock, punk rock, <laughs> and hip-hop. Hip-hop, yeah. And so on and so on and so on. It changes all the time. You know, coming back to Māori show bands, it's it's a sort of a sentimental journey now that uh, mm. a lot of a lot of people go and just, 
watches the old show bands because of the old school and the songs and music, the comedy, and a lot of fun. And a lot of fun. And most of it, I'm thinking, wasn't so engineered. It wasn't so, okay, you you do this, bro, you do that. It was so um, just the tapes that I've watched, um, Impromptu and High Energy, and those were the days, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we see, about 99% of the stuff that we do, it's all rehearsed, but it's got the also has the Māori flair in it. And as Tom Jones just said one time, that he will never ever be on the show with a Māori show band because he could not compete. He could not not compete <laughs> with Māori show bands. So, Selwyn, how does somebody like you? I mean, can I say, according to my calculations, are you sixty nine? I'll be I'll be up and down Christmas, twenty third. Oh yeah, twenty third. You'll be so. Right now, you're sixty sixty eight. Sixty eight. Sixty eight. So, how does somebody like you, Selwyn, get nominated? You are nominated at the upcoming Waiata Māori Music Awards in the best Māori male solo category. Uh, I, I was shocked because uh, although I uh, ticked the box. But I was really going in for my songs because uh, I, I write my own songs and, and sing them as well. And I entered the, those categories as well. I was happy enough to be nominated for a category. Mm, and when I found out who the other finalists were, I I texted a, a mate of mine saying, it's, I'm like a white boat swimming in a pool of sharks. I don't know about that, man. I reckon you'll be the shark and everybody else will be the white bait. <laughs> so, um, Selwyn, aside from, you know, your your huge life in music, you are a first-time law student as well. Yeah, I uh, I started uni in February. Uh, of course, my, my discipline is uh, law. And they tried to talk me out of it. Who tried but to talk no, you out of it? Your whanau. No, or the mentor that I was having a quarter with him. Yep. He says, you, you, wouldn't, you don't want to do this. Says, yes, I do. This is it's always been a dream of mine. So far, so good. Uh, I'm still there, and of course, I'm doing well in a, in a couple of papers. But I'm still, still waiting on results from, from my other papers as, as well. But it's, it's a lot of work. It's just another challenge that I, uh, I thought that uh, I'd uh, try. Like even being in the show bands, the ex- expectations is quite high. As far as people are concerned, you have to keep them happy. You, you have to make sure that you're well-groomed and so on and so on and so on. And so have you used some of those... I suppose it's a, it's discipline, really. You've got to be disciplined in the show bands and disciplined as a as a um, as a student going back to to study law of all things. Um, so I suppose you do you take a bit of that and apply it to, to what you're doing now, Salon. Uh, yeah, mm. uh, and next year I'll be. I'm only taking three papers this year, but next year I'll be taking six. And uh, I I want to try and get. Uh, Get my tool uh, thing a little bit quicker. Mm. How am I going to do that? You have to study, work smarter, not 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 harder. 
Uh, a lot of people say, oh, you, you left your well a little bit later, isn't it? But a lot of people say it's a bit better late than never. And exactly, tikatau, better late than never. Kei ki tēra, Salwin Rauri, it's been fantastic talking to you this afternoon. Best of luck for the uh, Waiata Music Awards. Well, at least I'll get a feed. <laughs> <laughs> All right then, kia ora. Kia ora, Jackie. Kia ora, Jackie. <laughs> Justine. Kia ora, Salwin Rauri, no tainui. He was so lovely. <laughs> and he is right, man, he's going to get a lovely kai next week. <laughs> Nā reira, he mihi tēnei kia koutou katoa ngā kaiwaiata Māori e Uruatu ki Best of luck to all of this year's nominees in the Waiata Māori Music Awards. Anera te haumitai with this week's Whakatauki. Kahiwara, kahiwara, kahiwara ki tēnei tuku, kahiwara ki tērā tuku. For us it was, for like for my explanation of that from one of my clothes was it was um, a and his job was to um, keep a lookout. So for us, that's what we're doing, I think, you know. Keeping a lookout and seeing what's happening and um, go further. Oh, kia ora. Next week, we begin our profiles of the recipients from last night's Nga Toi Atiwaka Toi, as well as. Golly, look at that. Louis. Louis, the Panama Canal is all the mind's fascination. It looks as if we are charging at a cliff, but it is only a lock gate, and by and by we are sailing on a lake which seems to sit on top of a mountain. Incredible. Look at that. Look at that. How does the captain know we aren't going to crash and that there great wall before us? How? The canal... The Panama Canal. How did they do it? Look at this great thing that man has made. <laughs> to make something of such majesty inspires awe and awe who lay eyes on it. Don't you think? Look, Louis. 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 Look at this. Yes. Look at that then, George. My, my, isn't that amazing? Something we don't have back home, eh? Maunga. You don't know what we're having for Kai tonight. I wonder if we'll be able to go on shore. I want to get on shore. I want to feel the whenua beneath me, tired of this rocking and swaying. Mince, mm, I think. Hot. Too hot for me. I'm going to go back below decks. I'll stay here. I want to uh, soak it all in. Soak it all in. We have Maunga back home, George. But like this, a cake (laughs) sliced and shaped. All right, then. I'll leave you to your cake. (laughs) It's making me hungry anyway. George, we are a lucky pair, you and I. A lucky pair we are, Louis. I. That's Jared Adawari from the play I, George Nepia, which opens on Wednesday. We'll have him and director Jason Tikare next week.
And do tune in, eh? Jared sings a beautiful rendition of the George Nepier Waiata Beneath the Māori Moon. And I catch up with Nisha Mystic going solo, Awanui Reader. Hoki mai hei tera rā tapu. Mai te whanua tiahi kā kia koutou katoa. Mauri ora tātou katoa.